that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census, and because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven, and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Really good news to share. Who do you tell first? I mean, who is that phone call that you reach out and say, hey, I can't believe this happened for me. It's going to be somebody that recognizes the significance of whatever I'm about to share with him, how that's so important. And then also somebody that will rejoice with me. And it's funny because when we think about the birth of Jesus, the significance of that moment, God chooses someone significant, someone special to him to share that really good news. The first group of people that would hear was the shepherds. Now, that seems kind of weird. In fact, if you study the Bible, you'll notice we don't have a single name of any of the shepherds. Why the shepherds? They were the outcasts of society. They were the blue-collar workers, not much influence, not much status, not much power. They were some groups of people that were often just outcasts to everyone else. Why the shepherds? And I think the reason is, is because of this principle I want you to grab hold of and remember as we move forward in celebrating Christmas this season. And here's the idea, that people who recognize their great need for Jesus joyfully receive the good news of Jesus. See, Luke records and says, that night the shepherds were staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. In February 2015, I had the opportunity to go to Israel and tour the Holy Land. If you ever have that opportunity, and I know in this room with this many people, family and friends that have been invited, maybe some of you may say, hey, I'm not even sure if I believe the Bible. I'm not even sure if I believe in God and Jesus, all that kind of stuff. It doesn't matter. No matter what, if you have an opportunity to go to the Holy Land and tour, you should. It makes the Bible come alive. The history begins to reveal itself as you're standing in those spots. And, and one day we find ourselves standing in this field and our tour guide, his name was Moshe, a fifth generation rabbi who had decided to follow Christ. And Moshe says to us, you are standing in the shepherd's field. We are right in Bethlehem. And he says, this is where these shepherds were guarding their flocks. And he said, the reason we know this is because in this field is where they raised the sheep, the goats, the lambs, the rams, the, the animals that were used to provide a sacrifice at the temple. Not just any sacrifice, the sin sacrifice. 
The author of the book of Hebrews says it this way. Under the old covenant, this just means the old promise that God made with the nation Israel, the priest would stand and he would minister before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifice again and again and again and again. The problem was that sacrifice could never, ever take away sin. In fact, Hebrews goes on to tell us instead, those sacrifices actually just reminded them of their sins year after year after year. Now, what's interesting is, is these shepherds, what was their job again? To raise the sheep that were, were going to be sacrificed, to raise the goats, the lambs, the animals that were going to be sacrificed for sin. So if any group of people, out of all the groups of people in the history of the world, were well aware of their separation, of their brokenness, of their sin, it was the shepherds. Yet it was these shepherds, this group of people well aware of their need for a sacrifice that the angel of the Lord appeared. Again, why? They had little to no power, little to no status, authority, influence, whatever that may be. Why these people? And I think part of it is because you know who Jesus loves and prioritizes more than almost anybody is the unknown outcasts. Is, is those in our lives that are marginalized in this world, that's who Jesus connected with the most. In fact, when he began his public ministry, Jesus proclaimed and said, I am here today fulfilling the prophecy that you can read about in Isaiah. He read this prophecy. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to what? To bring good news to who? The poor. He goes on and he says, he has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released. The blind will see, the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. Jesus is the king of the outcasts. He loves those of us that recognize our deep need for a savior. So the, the angel appears to these shepherds, and of course, they were terrified. terrified. Why? Because they thought to themselves, what message could God have for an outcast? What message could God want to reveal to someone who's well aware of their sin? Because in fact, our whole livelihood is raising up these animals that will be sacrificed to remind us continually of our sin. What message could that be? And I wonder sometimes, what message do you think God has for you? For these shepherds, did they think it must be a message of God's judgment, of God's punishment for them? How evil you are, how broken you are. I think for some of us, and, and I've heard this time and time again, there'll be people that will come into our church even, and they'll say, I've never been to church ever. Or they'll say, I haven't been to church in a long time. And they'll say, hey, honestly, I'm surprised the roof didn't cave in. And I know what they're saying. They feel this sense of, man, when I, when I come close to God, when I come close to the people of God, the things of God, I, I don't feel right. And I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but if you read the Bible, you begin to realize, man, the things the Bible says about how I should live my life and how you should live your life, if we are really honest with ourselves, we look and almost like these shepherds, we, we get terrified, man, what message would God have for me? But the angel says, no, 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 don't be terrified. Don't be terrified. Instead, he says, you need to know the reason you don't need to be afraid is because I'm bringing you good news. In fact, this good news will bring great joy for all people. Doesn't matter your status in society. Doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, old or young, rich or poor. Doesn't matter at all. This is great joy for all people. This word good news, when Luke originally recorded it, he recorded it in the common Greek of the day. It's called the Koine Greek. And that word he used that's translated here in the English good news is also the word that we translate the gospel. 
The angel's saying, look, I bring you the gospel. The gospel that brings great joy to all people. And what is this good news? He tells us today. In the city of David, the city of Bethlehem, in fact, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. There is born for you a Savior, one who would rescue you, not one who simply comes to remind you of your sin, one who comes to remove your sin. See, the author of Hebrews says it this way, God's will, what God wants for you and God wants for me is that we would be holy you start to think, what does that mean to be holy, to be righteous, to be set apart? What does that mean? How, how does God want me to be holy? And if I ask you to fill in that blank, you know what most people tell me? Maybe you wouldn't say this, but a lot of people would say this. Maybe you believe this. Is they'd say, well, we're made holy by, by being good enough. Like if I just am good enough, and as you reflect on 2022 and you think about the things you said and did, you think about God's word and you're like, man, based on God's standard, am I good enough? And if not, maybe in 2023, as I look forward, what could I do? What could I avoid and not do so that I would surely be able to stand before God and be good enough? See, what's unusual about these shepherds is they knew without a shadow of a doubt that they weren't good enough. Again, what was their daily job? To raise animals that reminded them by way of sacrifice, day after day, year after year, that they were not good enough. They knew something that you and I need to recognize. No one's good enough. In fact, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 doesn't say this. What it says is actually God's will is for us to be made holy by what? A sacrifice. Not just a sacrifice, the sacrifice. Not the sacrifice of a lamb, not the sacrifice of a sheep, a goat, a ram, whatever it may be. The sacrifice of who? The body of Jesus Christ. And then notice this, once for all time. Again, think of it like a shepherd. All you know your entire life is you're raising these animals up that continually are offered as a sin sacrifice for you and the people around you. And these animals continually do what? Remind you of your sin. And now the angel of the Lord says, I come bringing you good news because now I'm going to give you the lamb of God who doesn't remind you of your sin, but removes your sin. This was indeed good news for men like these shepherds that recognize their great need for a savior, their great need for Jesus. And then the angel tells them, this is gonna be a sign for you. And when you see that word you, I want you to know that's not talking to you. It's not talking to me. This isn't a sign for us in 2022. No, this was a special and significant sign for those shepherds in that moment. And what was the sign? You're gonna go find a baby and it's gonna be wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Now, when you read that, how much direction does that give you? If I told you today, hey, everybody, we're gonna have a scavenger hunt. Go find a baby wrapped in clothes or laying in a manger. Where do you go? Do you go east? Do you go west, north, south? Where do you go? And so when I was standing there with Moshe, our tour guide, he said, now we're gonna to go to a place called the Tower of the Flock. I never heard this in my life. We hike up a hill and go, and, and we go to the place where he says, this is where the shepherds knew to go. The tower of the flock was a, a tall structure that you could look out and, and guard the flocks and see if there's any enemies coming. But in the lower part, what we might call today the basement, the tower of the flock was a place, a special place, a significant place, a place where they would keep the unblemished lambs. Those sheep, those goats, those rams, those animals that were unblemished, almost perfect, if you will, that were set aside and protected under high guard that were to be offered for the sacrifice of the sin of the people. 
And these shepherds walked into that place and for the first time in their lives, they didn't see baby goats and lambs and rams and all these animals. Instead, in the place where those animals would eat, they saw a baby boy wrapped in clothes, lying in a trough. They knew. They knew the significance of this sign. They knew they were no longer looking at simply a lamb offered for sin. They were looking at the lamb of God that could forever remove their sin. There was a significant moment for them when it came time to tell the good news of Jesus' birth. Who did God choose to tell? First, the shepherds. Why? (laughs) Because people who recognize their great need for Jesus joyfully received the good news of Jesus. Now these shepherds, it didn't just stop with them seeing it. Because they experienced it, they also went and shared it. In fact, Luke tells us, after seeing him talking about Jesus, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angels said to them about this child. Why? Why? Because people who receive the good news, they joyfully share the good news. You know, we say it this way around here at Fearless Church. The gospel, the good news, came to you on its way through you. Any and every follower of Jesus, it's our job not to keep our mouth shut. It's our job like these shepherds, not just to recognize our need, Not just to receive the good news, but to share the good news. You know, Jesus often referred to himself as the light of the world. He said, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me no longer walks in darkness. Instead, he walks in the light of life. Now, I want to ask you a very serious question. Just for a moment. I want you to pause and whatever you're thinking about next on your calendar to do today, tomorrow, this week, whatever. And I want to ask you, Have you ever sat in the seat of the shepherd? Has there ever been a moment in your life where you recognized your great need? Where you begin to recognize, you know what? Being good enough is not good enough. I can't be good enough. There's not enough times I can go to church or not enough wrong stuff I can avoid. In fact, that's what Hebrews is saying. It's saying, no, it's not by being good enough. It's by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus once and for all. It's by placing our faith in God's provision, in God's gift, in God's lamb, the lamb of God, Jesus Christ, who doesn't just remind you of our sin. He removes our sin. This is the first step to recognize our need. And then I'd ask you, like the shepherds, for me, this is part of my story. Have you received the good news? Have you received the gospel? The good news of salvation in Christ alone. He indeed is the light of the world. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible is Romans 10, verse 13. It says, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. One of my favorite words in that verse is the word everyone. Doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. Sometimes we do stuff and we think there's no way God can forgive me. There's no way God can remove my sin. But it says, everyone who calls, everyone who says, Jesus, I need you. Not to simply be a baby in a manger. I need you to be a savior that takes away my sin. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, here's the cool part. Jesus says, when when somebody recognizes their need for a savior and receives the good news of a savior who's come for them, commits their life to Jesus Christ, not only am I, Jesus said, the light of the world, but he turns it around. He says, now you, those of you who follow Jesus, you are the light of the world. And then he commissions those of us to follow Jesus. Now go let your light shine before men. As followers of Jesus, we don't just recognize our need. We don't just receive the good news. No, we share. We share 
the good news, the gospel, the hope of the world. For you today in the city of David has been born a savior who is Christ the Lord. This good news that brings hope to anyone and everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. On your way in, hopefully you grabbed a candle. If you'll go ahead and bring that candle out and go ahead and put that paper thing at the bottom there just so the wax doesn't drip on your fingers. We're going to, in a moment, sing Silent Night. In fact, Emma and Liz are gonna go ahead and make their way out here and they're gonna lead us in singing Silent Night. And here's what I wanna ask you to do for a moment. I want you to allow this candle for just a few minutes to be symbolic to you. That you would look at the darkened wick that has no light on it right now and you would be reminded to recognize your need for a savior. People who recognize their need for Jesus joyfully receive the good news of Jesus. And just allow that pause. Maybe it's not even a whole minute to just look and say, you know what? There's something inside of me that's darkened, something that needs the light of the world. And then in a moment, as they begin to sing, the volunteers are gonna begin to light some candles. And as your candle receives the light, I want you to think about that second part, man. I received the good news, the light of the world. My hope is not in myself. My hope is in my Savior. And then finally, recognize, receive, and what? Share it. In fact, that's how the light will be spread throughout this room, symbolically reminding us that indeed, not only is He the light of the world, but when we follow Him, we, Him working in and through us, we become the light of the world. So let your light shine before men light of the world. Recognize our need, receive the good news, receive the light of the world, and share the light of the world.